and welcome back to the reboot of the reboot of reboot of Thoughts of the Roundtable. It's me, Matt Rebar. And me, Paul Lux. And how have you been? My goodness, it's been a minute. Why do you keep calling the reboot of the reboot of the reboot? I don't like that. It's just a new beginning. I, well, I like it because it really, it kind of gets to the point of this show that, like, we get on a roll and then things like, you know, a national crisis happens or, like, I you go on vacation for three weeks and, like, we, in a way, do reboot and we reboot. So we're always rebooting. I think it's a good thing. We're staying on the edge, man. Yeah, I know, I, I've uh, heard a couple podcasts that will take seasons off. Maybe we're just doing that, like literal seasons. <laughs> we're, it's, I think it comes down to like, we're both, it's just crazy. And sometimes, you know, you have to go with the tides. And this is a perfect, this whole situation, obviously, with Corona, you know, it was tides. That Actually, the week that they had that stay-at-home order in Ohio, which was like, what, like around St. Patrick's Day, we were going to record. It's March 17th. A guest that we were going to record with. And it got all thrown out the window, and we've been meaning to try and uh, do this for a while, and finally we're like, okay, we got to do it. So I'm glad we're back. You know what's funny is I think both of us, we were finally, it was like we were almost like finally starting to get our lives in order and on track, and then like everything just like, like I was starting to go to the gym more, we had finally gotten a schedule for this, we had finally booked a guest, and then everything just like shit the shit the bed. Yeah, this podcast, the trajectory has been like my life, where you think it's going to go one direction, and then er! We have to switch gears and then uh, like we have to stop. And then, it, but what I love about this podcast is we just keep it rolling, man. We're just, we're back and it, it feels like I'm getting on a bike. I know it's, it's, I, sometimes I wonder if people missed us, but I didn't even miss us. So uh, <laughs> clearly we didn't miss each other that much because it took a while <laughs> to get back on that bike, but Hey, we're, saw, we're riding. I saw you post today though about your haircut. I do. Do you see it? Look how short and blonde it is. Well, because you cut your man bun off. Yeah, well, you know me, Paul. I'm always evolving, and I knew that there was going to be an end of the reign of the man bun. Like the man bun was. You didn't something. have the man bun for that long. You acted like you'd had it since you were like a kid, like three I years old for the man bun for three years. No, you haven't. Seriously? Yeah. No, I don't. Believe, I've known you for that long. Full time job. I remember starting my full time job now with like it was grown. It had grown very long. So yeah, it's definitely been over two. For sure. I would say three. But um it looks good, everyone loves it. I mean it's and it took me that long to get on just to man bun level, it took you three years. I feel like it should be like shoulder length by that point. To be fair, I, I was chopping a little bit off. Like I'd go in kind of like the ends cut or whatever ladies would call it. <laughs> so <ignorant. laughs> I would go get it cleaned up. So it, it wasn't like I was just purely growing it out. It was like I grew it out. And then I was maintaining and maintaining. And, uh, yeah, yesterday I was driving and I was like, today's the day. And I looked at the app and it was like a 25 minute wait. And I was like, that's good considering, I don't know if you saw some of the wait no. time. Like, three no, or- like, the day that like the barbershops opened, I was like, I'm going to check my great clips app. I'm just going to see what it is. It was like three hours. Yeah. I don't blame people. Um, Cause you know, you just, you get to a point with your hair where you're like, I was, I was kind of like over dealing with it. Oh wow. You're looking like some Scooby-Doo over there. Look at this. You're looking like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. I love it. It's very okay. old Paul almost, right? Huh? It's almost like old Paul because old Paul used to have such emo in your face bang hair for sure. I know. And that's what it's like now. Yeah. I can't even do that like the whole. Well, now that I got a haircut, you really don't have a reason to not to get a haircut. Just I'm, doing it, I'm, I'm doing it next week. Okay. That's, that's basically, basically, I was just waiting for all of the craziness to die down. 
Yeah. I know my friend, and I had to, I had to respond to her because, you know, obviously I was trying to set this up. She was like, I just drove past Barrio and it slammed. And I'm like, oh, my God, of course it is. Like, Are you serious? Like, all these people want to get out, and I get that. But, like, how do you not, like, see a crowd and you're like, let me join that? I don't know. I'm I'm apprehensive about crowds at this moment. I know. Me too. It's like I would just feel bad doing that, like, at this point. Mm-hmm. It's it was it's so weird because it's like I saw this great thing. It was like um Americans just decided that they were bored of the coronavirus so it's, it's suddenly over. Yeah, it's like you know what it is? It's almost like you know, we think the coronavirus is like the mother in law that comes to visit and we can just be like, Bye bye. Like thanks for <laughs> stuff. And in reality coronavirus is like, No, dude, I'm like the person who's living in your basement rent free for like three years. And we're just like, oh, no, you were here for, like, two weeks, please. I just have never seen something more accurate than just like, oh, we just decided it was over because we didn't want to do it anymore. Well, but, um, to be political, but, like, you know me, I kind of always am. But, like, it's really because rich people weren't making money, and they were like, how dare me as a billionaire not make money? Open it up, right? Like, it, was just, it was just weird how I know it's different everywhere, but here in Ohio, it was like everything was closed, 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 and all of a sudden, boom, everything's open. Well, like, yeah, it's nowhere. Same. The Senate was trying to, like, have litigation. There was the protests. And it, it does, like, towards the end, they were just like, screw this. Let's just open everything up. Like, is that the impression you got? Because that's what I got. Yeah. It's like almost like they gave up because today, random, like, because we were under the thing. It's like, you can't have more than 10 people. You can't have gatherings of more than 10 people. And then today, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, weddings of 300. It's good. Good to go. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, my wedding job as a DJ, though, is secured <laughs> come this holiday season. Well, it just felt like they were doing a really good job of, like, really shutting things down and really keeping things ordered. And then out of nowhere, it just, like, I feel like they just, the pressure got to them, and they were like... It's almost like they announced the budget of, like, the shortfalls of what they were going to be. You're like, oh, my God, that's a, that's a big shortfall. So they just like, why don't we just open everything? My thing is, like, with the budget, like, aren't the, isn't the state saving money by not having all this stuff open? No, like, because there's, there's payroll tax and things like that that they collect. Hmm. But um, a little conspiracy. Trying also, to make- also, I mean, every time you go get a haircut, the city gets part of the money. It's tax. because so, I tipped twelve bucks on a sixteen dollar haircut. So did you really? What was it like? Where'd you go? So I went to Great Clips because I'm way too poor to have a like a real barber. Dude, that's, I love <laughs> I love Great Clips. But like, you know what I mean? Like, you could tell how rich someone is if they have like a barber, like that they like. Hey, I go to Chuck every like, month. Go to Chuck. Like, I don't understand those people who it's like they are they're on like a text level with they're like I'm just gonna text my barber I'm like what? It's like I'm a little jealous that like I don't have any like it's like client or customer relationship like that. It's like I go to whatever eighteen year olds on shift to Great Clips like that's like who cuts my hair. I wish like Trader Joe's and Dunkin' Donuts texted me like hey how are you thanks for spending a hundred bucks a week with us like geez but like so I just go to Great Clips and uh, I walk in and you know did I, you have to wait in the parking lot. I will. I waited outside because I could have waited in my car, I guess, but like that felt weird. So I just waited outside. And then they were like, "Yoo-hoo!" And look, I only had to wait like eight, six, eight minutes maybe. And then I had a mask on. Did you did you do the uh, check in on the app? Yeah, of course. Got to check in early. Gotta, <laughs> um, and she was good. It was funny though. So she was cutting my hair, and before she cut off like the large chunk of it, she like paused and looked at me. She had a mask on, and like I also did you. And we were just kind of like eyeing each other, and I was like, "Time to go." And then, um, I will say two things though that I took notice. Well, first of all, she, my hairstylist of the day, 
she did she doesn't like skinny Adele. She was because Adele came on and she was like, "Oh, honey, I think large Adele looked much better than skinny Adele." I was like, I was like, "Yeah, I mean, okay, like it's just very opinionated." But two, what I liked that I was wearing a mask. Here's what I liked about it: the barbershop is that you know, like when you have to do like that awkward like smile thing because like yes, your hair like. Having to smile and like even if it like looks bad, you're still kind of smiling. And then when you do like that neutral thing, you're like, oh, I look like I'm pissed at my haircut. So you you have to smile. I didn't have to do that this time. Like I could have frowned behind my mask and she wouldn't have known because my eyes are just staring blankly into the mirror. And I was like, this is glorious. So that part of it. I but really- that makes it worse. It's just like all she's looking at is like your cold dead eyes as she's cutting like your ponytail off. <laughs> she's like, may I remove this rat's nest, sir? And I'm just like looking at her like, mm, yes. One of the most awkward haircuts I ever had, and it was actually the last one I got uh, right before the lockdown happened, was it was at Great Clips, and we should be sponsored by the time by the amount of times we're mentioning them. Seriously, I'm gonna but, call them after this. Be like, uh, it's, gonna, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great studios. But uh, continue. <laughs> uh, so this lady was cutting, and she must have been like the manager, I guess. Oh. Like one of the managers, and she was like cutting my hair, and she like stopped mid haircut, like mid cut, turned around and just started screaming at an employee, like another one of the one of the stylists, just like yelling, like I'm sick of you, this, and like I said, she's yelling at like crazy, and then she just turns and goes, "Okay, honey, would you like it rounded or square on the back?" I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "I'm gonna stab you with scissors," and then she turns to you like, "Oh, not you, sweetie." It was like, I was like, you just violently yelled at your point, and you're just going to turn and be like, oh, by the way, how, how do you want this cut? That is so wild. Did I tell you the last haircut I had? I was going to get my hair cut short last time, but, like, the spirits told me not to because, <laughs> I don't know, they just did. But it was good because my hairstylist was, like, asking me what I liked. And I was like, you know, I kind of like the sides taken in because my hair curls. And when my hair curls on the sides, my face is rounder and it looks fatter. Which is just an That's honest me. I'm not saying That's me. I am fat. I'm not saying, like, I hate being fat. I'm just saying when my hair, like, does a wispy afro, you know, elongates my face, I look fat. And she snapped on me, Paul. She was like, love yourself for those curls, baby. Those are natural curls. Love yourself. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, I don't, I think she thinks that, like, I'm like, I don't like my hair or whatever. And I was just like, "Mm, like, beating yourself down. It's like, like Eeyore sitting in the chair, you know? I just never, there's just been no one in my life that's ever been as passionate about curls that she, as she was. Love your curls! How dare you! Love those curls! Like, I've never abandoned my children, but... Have you ever had that uh, stylist that, like, offers way too much information? <laughs> oh, every time. Every stylist like, they have there's a, a degree for that. There was this one who was talking to, and, um... She was, she started talking about how much of like an ass her kid was. Mm-hmm. And like, how, like, and like, he does all this stupid crap and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting here, like, man, I don't want to like deal with your juvie son. Like, just please cut my hair. <laughs> it's almost kind of like, um, sorry, I'm trying to like learn how to do these cool things on Skype, but I'm just being terrible at it. But it's kind of like there's almost like, I would love to have a school like where you learned to cut your hair right, but then you also had to like, be good with conversations. It's like a communication degree with, with stylists. <laughs> it's a communication degree with hair stylists. Actually, it's probably better than a communication degree because you got more skill sets. But like, it's another degree for athletes to take. If they were like, cut this hair. We want it to look like this. 
and you get to tell the mannequin, like, is it talk to her about a current event, a personal antidote, an opinion, a story, and a joke. And that was... was They have to cut this mannequin's hair and just say nothing to it at all. (laughs) Just, like, nothing. (laughs) Because I feel like there's... I I hate the ones who, like, they don't want to talk and they clearly feel forced. They're like, so how's your day? It's like, we don't got to do this. We don't have to do this. There should almost be, like, on the great apps when I check in, there should be, like, a couple questions where it's like, are you in the mood to talk? And it's like, yes, no, a little bit, right? And it's like, something like... You should hand him a green, yellow, or red card when you start (laughs) off. Like... (laughs) It's like you're, like, checking your valet. You're like, here you go. (laughs) Like, if you hand him, like, the red card or the yellow card, they can ask you about, like, your day, and that's about it. <laughs> like the green, they can tell you about their aunt. You give them the green card, you can tell about their aunt who has a mole that they don't like. Like it's full, full on. I will say this: I don't mind if the hairstylist talks to me. It's just like if you're going to talk to me, I want drama. I want scoop. I want story. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't want to hear about the weather. I don't want to hear about how after this you have to go to Giant Eagle and get your lean cuisine. You better tell me the drama of that institution. I want family gossip. I want, like, if you met Machine Gun Kelly down at Melt, you know, three like, weeks ago. And you have a, I don't even care if you make it up. Tell me your brother went to jail last weekend. I want to know that. <laughs> Someone's got in their hair and they're like, I had a really rough week last week. And you're like, why? And they're like, my brother went to jail. And you're like, behind my mask. This is going to be great. By the way, rounded. <laughs> I don't even, like, my my whole mouth is, like, agape. But, like, oh, my God, your brother went to jail. But, like, my mask, so you don't see it. And I'm just like, Really? Um, what if it just turns into a therapy session where you're both crying, just in the chair? Oh, my God, that would be a great idea. Can you imagine a therapy session slash haircut session at the same time? Like, you get your haircut and your therapy at the same time. Too bad it only takes, like, ten minutes to cut my hair. Oh, my God, would it be called Thercuts? Thercuts? Okay. Freaking trademark that. That is top-notch. Snip therapy. Get a little haircut. Okay, I don't like snip therapy. That sounds <laughs> inappropriate, but it's not. Like, I don't know how it does, but it just does. <laughs> you just don't like the word snip. Yeah, snip. Ooh, I just think of, like, circumcision. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> think of a bris. <laughs> Moving on. How, um, how's your quarantine going? What, what it sucks. It sucks. Everything about it sucks. Um, basically, the only thing that I have... I place I've really gone is like the typical dad Home Depot runs. Like that's like what I've done. But um it's funny because we went to all these newborn classes before our baby was born, like, you know, do this, you know, do this, do this, do this, you know, you expect this, expect that. But like the, I must have missed the class on the uh, raising an infant during a pandemic. What are you doing? Sorry, I'm taking a photo of us. Why? It's for Instagram. Okay, continue. I'm, you were missing, you're talking about the class, you missed the class about raising a baby during the well, pandemic. if you're gonna take a picture, at least let me have my hat on. I look like a goon. <laughs> you look like the, you look like the, the kid from Goonies more than a goon, but. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> There's like an awkward silence in this podcast. Okay, please continue about raising a child during quarantine. I'm actually curious to hear about that. It sucks because basically, like, you can't have anyone around you. Like, even if you yourself feel comfortable, like, you can't have anyone around you. And I think the thing that's, like, the most annoying about it is, like, 
there's just like none of the information really makes sense. Like it seems kind of all over the place and like no one agrees on anything. You don't know like if it's safe to do anything. You don't know if you should feel bad for doing anything. You don't know if you should feel bad for not doing anything because like you want to get your kid around people, but it's like, you can't do that. Yeah. And then it's I like, would not feel comfortable going to your house right now. And not because of you. Um, although I guess that's a part of it. Um, <laughs> it's, you're raising a beautiful young child, and sure, have children been pretty impervious to this? Absolutely, but God forbid, like, your child is the exception to that, and it's just like, no. Like, the only people that should be with your child are you and maybe your parents, uh, Katie, Katie's parents, you know, keep it in that tight knit, you know, but like, someone like me, no. Like, I, I don't feel comfortable being over there on your behalf, not on my behalf, you know? See, that's the thing, like, your kid. like, your kid's cute, you know, obviously, like, I... I'm not saying like I don't want to ever see your kid again, but <laughs> it's just it, I think what it drives me nuts is that people like are equating this to something that like it can only affect them. I mean, you can pass it to other people without knowing it. And like people just don't care really. Like the people at Barrio, they clearly don't care about any of the thing. And it's like it, it's not just about you anymore. It's about your family and your friends and everything. You can pass it to anyone at any time. And so it's not, if it was something that could only affect you personally, I would get that attitude, but it's not like that. And so, you know, what it, COVID reminds me of, it's hmm. kind of like when you're a homophobe and you're like, I hate gay people because you don't know any gay people. Right. And it's this COVID thing of like, I'm not going to follow the guidelines. Cause like I don't have COVID. And then Bam, your brother, your cousin, your your son, your daughter, whatever. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know. And, like, I, I love my gay son, my gay it's brother. Like, it's like the, the governor did that re- last year. Like, he was, like, for, like, he was doing all the, the shock therapy, like, the gay conversion shock therapy. And then his son came out gay and he goes, oh, I'm part of the LGBT allies. It's like, dude, no, you're not. But it, that is literally COVID where people were like, until it affects them, they're like, ooh, right? And then it's like, oh my god, my grandma has COVID. And it's like, oh my god, now I'm going to wear a mask. And like, how dare 10 people stand together? Like, I'm kind of nervous. So my, my good friend, uh, it's his birthday this weekend, and I'm going to go down to Columbus to see him. Obviously, I'm going to be wearing a mask. Obviously, social distance. But, you know, we're going to try and, like, go out. But, like, I'm like, I don't know how that's going to be. I don't know if there's going to be any place where I do feel comfortable. I feel like, if anything, I'll just be walking around columbus just like drinking on the streets or something i don't know like it's going to be a social experiment not because it's like okay well not only am i on this quote i guess vacation or getaway but you know how am i going to feel because i know i'm not going to want to be in a situation where like if there's a crowd no i can't do a crowd right now i don't feel comfortable doing a crowd Mm -hmm. and i don't want to be part of that crowd i don't want to be part of the reason there is a crowd either so yeah i'm a little like Intrigued. I'm not like on edge because like the easiest thing would be to walk away, right? Like you see a crowd mm-hmm. on a patio and you're like, turn around, you know, turn well, around. The weird thing about this whole thing is that like everyone is kind of trying to sit in the middle with this. And I don't really know if there is a middle like you can't. It's not something you kind of half ass. And I think a lot of people are trying to do that and like say, oh, I'm kind of socially distanced. Like I'm trying to. It's like. It's not really how it works. It's kind of a, you know, it's, it's, it's one way or the other. You know, it's like you either are quarantined entirely or you just kind of roll the dice and go out as best, you know, as much as you want. There's no really in the middle. 
honestly, if they had done a federal lockdown for one month, I think that would have been the best case scenario. Oh, you would have seen riots. But like, every country had a national lockdown for at least a month and they're fine. It just, it's just, it's so stupid to me that we can't do that without people like raising hell and well, I don't know I don't know any many countries that had a strict strict lockdown besides India, Italy did, China. I thought they went province by province. Mm, they had a pretty strict national I think they had a national lockdown. I I, I swear to you Paul, I think we're one of the only countries that did not have a you know, you know what it might have been I think we were one of the only countries that didn't have a national state of I don't know. There's something. All I know is that we didn't we messed it up and we messed it up from the beginning. Here's the thing, like, if everyone weared masks, like, we'd be fine, but there's so many people who, like, refuse, and it's like, listen, I'd be huge nose. You think I like wearing a mask that, like, makes me feel like I'm being choked out by some, you know, three people in a bathhouse? No, I don't, but I do it because it, it protects me and it protects other people. Like, if, if, here's the thing, if I can protect other people by just simply wearing a piece of cloth over my face, by wearing a bandana, like, if that really is all it takes, like, that's such an easy, like, absolutely I will. I don't get people, I really don't get, like, people who, like, refuse on the on the basis that, like, I don't want to. And it's just like, is there no care for the common man? I think one of the most ironic things I've ever seen is, um, and I have two things to say. One is um, the most ironic photo I've ever seen in my life was this person who was holding, wearing a MAGA hat, the Make America Great Again hat while also holding a sign they were protesting the state home orders and the signs the sign said my body my choice i'm like that is the most ironic thing i've ever seen in my entire life what's funny is you know i think people always forget like when you say that you're pro life you're not just talking about abortion you're saying that i'm pro life at that no death penalty pro life as in you know immigrants who are like locked up in dying cages in, in texas like pro life in reality means in this situation you would be wearing a mask. You would be staying home. You would be adhering to the social distancing rules because that's pro-life. That's what pro-life means. But people are so selective with uh, what they want from that definition. And I have I have to send this article to you. It's called like um, let's call something like is this a, is is this the American resilience? And it was talking about basically how we have this weird. It's almost like we like value. I'm putting quotes on it, rights more than like our actual fellow citizens. It's like, and I don't exactly know how to explain it, but we care more about these weird, like ideas that somehow the government's trouncing on our, on our, on our rights. And really the easiest thing we can do is literally just stay home. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, we don't care about anyone else. We really just care about ourselves at the end of the day. But, like, that's what's so problematic is that, like, if you look at, like, the history of the world, like, the strongest moments in history are when we, we are one and we are strong together, you know? It was like that summer when we had Pokemon Go. That was the best. That was – now, talk about togetherness. By the way, I've been – one of my guilty pleasures during this quarantine, so I've been doing a lot of hiking, which has been great. I've been doing some more videography and some other secret projects. Hashtag secret quarantine projects. <laughs> uh, but – I wrote a book. What? I wrote a book. You did? I did. Me too, twinsies. Oh my god, let's do you want to have a little book club sometime? Yes. <laughs> Members too. It's the Thoughts Book Club. <laughs> um but I've been playing old Pokemon games. 
And it's like, just nostalgic. Going? Like red silver and all them? Oh, not that old. <laughs> I don't even think my crystal works anymore because crystal was the first game I played. No, I played, um, Pearl, which was 2004. 2004. I thought you were going super old school. 2004 is really, for 2020, Paul, do the math. That's 16 years. I'm talking about red and blue, gold and silver. That's what you gotta yeah. do. Here's the thing. Those games, here, crystal will always be important to me, right? And like red and blue is the basis of the game, but like, I don't think there's really any replay value there for me. It's just like kind of. I don't know. For me, for me, Paul, Paul. I gotta ask you a question going back to the, um, the quarantine thing though. Like, what is your family? What is it? Have you had like a weird dichotomy in your family or is he all kind of on the same page? Dichotomy as in. Like some believe it's a joke. Some believe it takes. Oh, no, we're on the same page. We're all pretty taking it seriously, social distancing. You know, um, my mom was actually living with my grandparents um, pretty much, and she moved out because of this, which is so upsetting because it's like she really was there to, you know, be there physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally for my grandpa especially, and she can't do that. And I think that that's such – it's the right choice, but it's a hard choice. It just – it bothers me that, like – you see these protests every day and people want, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. But it's like, there's still, there's about a hundred thousand people now who are gone because of this. It's like, do you not think of that? Like, are you that selfless? It goes back to the, until it affects me, I don't care mentality. I, or like the, it's the gay son. It's I'm trying to think of like other things that like, Oh, the poor people situation, right? Like, Poor people are poor because they're poor and the blah, blah. And then like, you know, someone who's on top, you know, making a hundred K suddenly finds himself homeless. And then they finally understand it's, it's people don't can't understand, or maybe they refuse to. I don't know. This is the sociologist. We could talk about this all day, Paul. Like, it's, it's, it just drives me nuts because it's like, we all know, and everyone has it, like the bad qualities in ourselves. We all have that, whether it's, you know, who knows what. And I feel like this, whole thing has like exploded whatever bad qualities we had. Like it's all becoming so evident and like we really just don't care about each other. We really don't at the end of the day. And it's becoming so obvious. Well, I think it goes to kind of the American values um, that we were founded on. You know, you look at how this country was founded, which originally it was this idea of like, we're escaping persecution. Right. But then, you know, stealing, Native American lands, uh, slavery. We were like the last like modern power in the 1800s to get rid of slavery. <laughs> like, <laughs> get on that. And even a lot of our judicial and you know our electoral college is founded and still perpetuates slavery. You know, and racism is still a large issue in this country. There's a lot of people who want to think that it's not, but it is. And I don't know. And you, you can There's go, a lot of people who believe that who want to believe it doesn't exist when it actually does. That's what I think. Those people, like people, will get pissed off that a reality exists that they don't like, and it usually comes out as conspiracy theorists or people who don't believe racism doesn't exist. It's like deep down they know these things are real and around us, but they want to create some weird narrative to either a it doesn't exist or there's some weird way to explain it off. I don't know if you saw this today, um, but Lana Del Rey. Uh, made huge waves on pop culture Twitter because she wrote this kind of note saying that, okay, well, now that Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj, Beyonce, Ariana Grande, and, um, you know, I'm trying to think who else, Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, 
since these artists have gone number one with songs about like, you know, with sex and cheating and, you know, promiscuity, why, why am I still being criticized for my music topics or something to that effect? And it was huge because a lot of people were like, this is so insensitive. Here, I get what she was trying to say. What she was trying to say is that there's a double standard for women in alternative music. I agree. Totally agree. But like by calling out these women and then she went on to say, oh, well, those are my favorites. I'm using them as like, I love this music and I, I love these artists. I'm, I'm just trying to compare myself to them. But it, it came off a little tone deaf because if you think about it, it's like, well, women is like we, women need to support women. I mean, that's that's the number one goal there. And it just didn't look like she was supporting women. But then, too, it's like, you know, you, you can't put yourself in a position where you demean like, you know, black artists like that. It was, it just, it was really wild. And I love Lana. I her my favorite album last year was Lana's album. Like I huge fan of her music and I, and I get what she was trying to say, but it, it takes that next level of thought, you know, as me as a white guy to step back. And if I had made that comment and be like, well, I get why people construe it, that it is, you know, it, that there's problematics that it could come across as a little racist I don't think she is racist. I don't think she meant, obviously she didn't mean it like that, but it, it's those little ways that like we society need to point out. Now, the fact is there's some people that took it overboard, right? You could point out someone, Hey, like, I think this is sexist. I think this is discriminatory. I think that this is wrong, but like the cancel culture and the whole Twitter thing, it just, that needs to go. That whole idea that like someone does something wrong, that they're automatically shunned. Now, granted, there's a level to that. There's, there's, yeah, kind there's of levels to that. I'm not going to be like, oh, we should forgive. <laughs> Don't cancel the murderer. But the point being that, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't I, know but. This reminds me of, uh, of something I saw today. And um, uh, Joe Biden is picking who he's going to basically run with as his VP because we all know it's basically him at this point. And he announced that he's he has a vetting process. And one thing that really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. was one of the parts of the vetting process for whoever he's going to pick is he's going to go back in their Twitter history looking for problematic tweets. And I'm like... That, I don't know why that annoys me. Like, it shouldn't annoy me, but it annoys me. Like, if you said something, I guess, like, insane, yeah. but, like, do you think, be honest with me, do you think if we went looked at every single tweet you ever did, there was something that you'd be like, ugh, probably shouldn't have said that? I think over the years I've gotten better at it. And I think at one point I did start clearing out older tweets. Not that I think there was anything that was like terrible, but you know, there, there are jokes. Like you try and have like jokes and try and use sarcasm and tone. Right. And you misstep because there's someone who doesn't read that as like sarcastic. It happens all the time. Kevin's heart careers almost ended because they remember that with his tweet. Who's tweet? Which one? Kevin Hart's. He, uh, he made a gay joke on um Twitter like years years and years ago and it randomly surfaced. Right before, that's how I got kicked off the Oscars. Remember the one girl who tweeted like, Oh I'm going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Remember when she tweeted that? I don't and, know. Oh well it obviously blew up and she I think she like lost her job. It was a wild but here's the thing. She she said that she meant it to be a joke, like the irony that people think of Africa and AIDS. And it's like but you you can't tell that from a tweet. Right? Well, like, you can't tell that from a tweet. There's no context. There's no tone. There's no delivery. And then if there was, is it funny? Mm, I mean, I personally wouldn't think it's funny. You know, there's some, like, white comedians out there who's like, no, it's totally hilarious, right? But 
you know, in this modern world, it's like, I think that like me is like, you know, I do stand up. So me as like a white comedian, I would never touch race. That's not my field to play. You know, my position in race is to be a witness to what I do and what, you know, other white people do. Um, and to call that action out as well as to be an ally to people of color. That's my position. Well, not to be a stand up comedian about race. And what do you think about like the Daniel Toshes of the world then? Who just throw caution to the wind and they just say, you know what, I'm going to do it. I just don't think it's your story to tell. Like, I would never tell a transgender joke because it's not my story to tell. Do you think he's wrong though? That's what I'm trying to say is, do you think he's wrong for doing it? I think at the end of the day, it comes down to my personal morality. I live the way I live. I don't know. It's, it's difficult because it's like, because there's part of me that wants to be like, that is wrong. But I realize that those people aren't going to change because I say that that's wrong. It's almost like I need to just not acknowledge the behavior and to like focus my behavior on people who deserve it. Like, you know, good comedians who use humor to kind of point out like truly funny situations or, you know, (coughs) those transgender, those black comedians who talk about their experiences and joke about their own experiences. That's where that energy needs to be. It doesn't need to be on, you know, some white idiot who's making a fool out of himself or who's trying to stir up controversy for the sake of controversy. Or I I remember like they, they're like, Oh, well shock humor. You can do shock humor and not be (coughs) offensive. Like just because something is offensive doesn't mean that it is shock humor. Right? Like, I don't know. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you think there's a place for it? Like, obviously he's very famous. So apparently someone likes what he does. I think shock humor, there is a place for it. Like my friend, Amber, uh, oh my god, I'm gonna say Medea. I think it's Madia. Madia? Madia? Oh my god, she's gonna kill me. Uh, <laughs> good thing she doesn't listen unless I tell her of this. <laughs> I gave her a name it. But she has a joke where she talks about sexuality and how, you know, and I don't wanna, I don't know if I wanna say it cause it's not my joke, but, um, she does this amazing thing where you're literally shocked. You're like, wow, like the joke splits like that in a diamond and it's shocking to me. That is perfect shock humor because it's able to get that shock, that that jolt, that twist, that zhang. Just- I guess there's a difference between like being good at shock humor and just being a total asshole. Like there's a difference there's, between there's easy outs, right? Like it's just easy to you know make fun of farts, right? Like we can all agree, like okay, farts are funny, right? Um, it's easy to you know mock minorities. Well, back in the day it was. I think now it's obviously getting harder. But like as a writer and as a as a performer. You know, those are easy materials because, you know, especially if you are someone who kind of harbors potentially racist or misogynistic thoughts, then, yeah, making fun of women on stage is easy because that's who you are by nature. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit of an art snob. You know me, Paul. I'm like, I'm <laughs> like as much as like I am like, <coughs> like such a like in terms of an artist, I'm kind of like, I would, what, what would you say? Like a little plebeian maybe, but I, I do like this a lot. I do I do a lot of hand uh, cusping, um, tea drinking. The, but like when it comes to art, and that includes stand up. Um, you know, I do set high standards in what I like and what I try and do. I try and make it look easy, but at the same time, I try and have it have meaning. I don't know. It's difficult. The only I, thing I the only thing I say is that obviously there's levels. Like if you tweet out something horrifically awful, that's one thing. But like. People do change over time, and I think we do need to allow for a little bit of growth. Oh, 100%. I think, you know, especially when, like, you know, people come out and it's like, oh, eight years ago they tweeted this, or ten years ago they said this. It's like, 
I think part of the human experience is learning from our mistakes, but being genuine about it, not saying like, oh, sorry that 10 years ago I did this, and then you repeat that behavior. (laughs) You're not trying to change. I think we need to allow that change to happen, but that's the thing. The change needs to happen. If it doesn't happen, then like, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) like we called it out and you're still doing it. I mean, bam. I'm going to say one last thing though. Absolutely. If I have to see one more, one more damn celebrity on a Zoom call telling us we're all in this together, I am going to lose my mind. <laughs> I don't want to see these stupid ass celebrity Zoom calls anymore. Well, I not, don't. not to plug, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a uh, new Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande, and I'm so excited for it, but it's actually Gaga herself who said this, and I liked it. And I think a few people have said it, but it's this idea. By the way, like, before you go on, didn't she, did she give 39 million? I saw something she gave like. She went to corporations and they all raised 39 million. She like went to like Pepsi and like, she was like people with actual money, right? And she was like, Hey, like, well, this is what needs to happen. You need to donate money. And I love it for that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, before I lose track, I, I got to tell you one more thing. I saw this, this great sign. It was a, it was a COVID testing center. And for some reason it was presented by Pepsi. Like the signs. Of this, yeah, I, I saw that too. And I was like, this is capitalism at the spite of it. <laughs> COVID testing centers presented by a sponsor. Like, well, this is a pandemic. We don't have time for a sponsor. I don't know. It is ridiculous. This zombie plague brought to you by McDonald's. Um, but Gaga said, you know, and I think a few people said this, so I don't want to be like, she only said it, but she, I think she's the first to put in this way. Whereas, like, sure, we're all in this together, right? But we're all in different boats. Some people are in, you know, this is this pandemic's like an ocean, and some people are in these yachts. Some people are in sailboats. Some people are on rafts, and some people are drowning. And that's the problem is that we can't go at it where we're all in this together in the sense that like we're all on the same page because we're not, you know, you look at suicide is up, depression is up, you know, alcoholism and dependency and drugs, that's up, um, abuse victims, you know, and survivors during this time. Mm-hmm. Like these are, these are things that I don't think people think about these celebrities who say, Oh, we're almost together. They think of it like, Oh, because I, you know, because of their privilege that they're fine in this. Right. And they are. And sure, does it suck that you have to stay at home in your mansion? Okay, maybe a little bit, but in the grand scheme of things, no, because you don't have to deal with it. For me, it just seems like it just seems shallow. Like it, it seems out of touch, mostly. Yeah, it, well, it's very uh, utopian in the sense that, like, in a perfect world, yeah, we're all holding hands and singing kumbaya. But that's not what's happening. <laughs> By the way, I saw all, I saw one of the, probably the biggest mess ups on Twitter ever. Oh, yes. Um, there's a, have you ever seen the hashtag why I stayed? I don't know if I have. It's a hashtag that's for like people who like the tweet, they tweet their stories of like, um, surviving domestic abuse. Okay. Abusive relationships and like the hashtag why I stayed is like why I. Yes. Why, okay. Why I stuck around. Yes. And, no, I- Whoever runs the DiGiorno pizza thing, I don't, I can't, no. And they used the hashtag why I stayed, and it's like because I like the like deep dish pizza or whatever, and they got lit up. Oh god, it was bad. I want to hope, right? This is one of the situations where you want to hope that they just saw the hashtag trending, didn't know why it was trending, and that the intern or the employee, whoever. Was like, oh, this is trending. Here's a joke idea of it. That's what I want to hope happened there. But I, I believe I, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and say that's what happened. Had to have been. Like, oh, but, man, maybe we just all need to get off social media, dude. If I if my jobs didn't require me 
to have social media. I don't know if I would have it, but then as a creator, you know, who creates just to create, like, I feel, where else am I going to put the things I create? So it's like, I, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm with it. it. Because now I wrote this book, now I want to publish it, but I don't know how. So yeah, that's the next step. Why? Oh my god, that's maybe it's in a book club. We need a publishing club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what you you should do no joke. I'm not even lying about this. Maybe we should write a book of short stories, like you and me, a collection of short stories. Hey, I actually no joke want to either do like a children's book series or like a joking young adult book series. Like, I have to tell you something. I just wrote a kid's book like a month ago. Shut up! Oh my god, you got it. We'll we'll talk after this because. Yeah, otherwise the five people who are going to listen are going to steal our ideas. Well, <laughs> well, this has been a thrilling catch-up, and uh, next time we're going to have to revert to a little bit of normalcy with some advice and some hot news. And we'll get back. I think I think we needed this. I think we needed to let this out, all this out in the air, give a little bit of update on us, how we've been doing, which is not much. But I, I think next, I think next time next week when we re- when we record and release. We'll get back to the original stuff. We'll get back to normalcy as best we can and go from there. But this was a great reboot for the reboot for the reboot show. I really, I think this I brought it back, man. We're back. All right. In <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Peace out. Later.